So continuing on then in this uh, passage full of marvelous encouragement, uh, this chapter 8 of Romans, verses 31 to 39, I doubt that there's a passage more encouraging anywhere in Scripture. It gives us the courage to go on in life through all the disappointments, through the sorrows, through the setbacks, through the sicknesses um, and the sin because uh, we all are struggling with one thing or another. And it's our privilege in the gospel to believe that God is for us in all of these struggles and that uh, uh, nothing that actually happens can be against us because God is able by his grace and his sovereignty to move into these things that are against us and turn the effects of them into a blessing. So we saw that the other day, and we got the assurance that this is true because he did not spare his own son, that is, God didn't. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The proof of God's uh, being with us and for us is the gift of his son and the deliverance uh, to of his son to death for our uh, be, on our behalf, and so then Paul says uh, in uh, verse thirty three, "Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies." Now here the word elect, of course, is going to make some people, some Christians, nervous unless they understand what I taught uh, several days ago that all the world has been elected. God set his mind, the the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit set their mind upon this world before it was ever created, knowing that it would fall, and yet determining by the atoning work of Christ that Jesus would be a sacrifice for the sin of all the world. And as he elects people, then he calls various ones, as I said several days ago, uh, throughout history. He calls them to represent him, uh, and then those representative ones witness to others, and then others are elected, and on it goes. And all the Christians, all who put faith in Jesus, uh, they are not elected because they have put faith in Jesus. They put faith in Jesus because they hear the news of Christ's sacrifice for them and their election. And this is true of the Jewish people. Uh, They will be, they are all elected for for the sake of their fathers. It says in uh, in, uh, uh, Romans chapter 9, we'll get to that later, and uh, they will all be saved. And then comes the rest of the uh, calling of the whole world in the judgment, uh, so that In that day, God will have mercy upon all. That's Romans 11, verse 32. And so, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Then it makes sense, doesn't it? Who is going to to indict the people of God, the creation that he made, which has already been elected? God chose beforehand uh, to rescue this planet So who's going to bring a charge against it? You see then that we see once again God's being in favor of the world. Remember what we saw in verse 31? What then shall we say to these things if God is for us, who can be against us? So this uh, verse lines lines up with that one. 
who shall bring a charge against God's elect. Now, it's an interesting phraseology, isn't it? Because it's suggesting a law court and and, uh, prosecution and defense and all of that. Well, who's bringing the charges against God's elect? Satan, of course. The whole issue is that Satan is the accuser of mankind. Satan is saying mankind is not worthy to be saved, and he's right, of course, in that. But Satan doesn't recognize the atoning work of Jesus Christ. God defends his people through the atoning work of Christ. Now, let's get that straight, because there are many Christians who think, in ter- well, they don't sort of verbalize it, but I suppose it's there in their minds, in the back of their minds. It certainly has been for decades in the back of my mind until I recognized or learned the gospel truly, that God is our accuser, that God is our judge, and that God is um, uh, bringing everybody before him um, to uh, to accuse them and uh, determine who shall go to heaven and who shall go to hell. That is not the message of the gospel. The gospel is the message that God has already judged the world in his Son. In, if he judged the world in, him, in itself, it would be lost. It, would be, it wouldn't stand a chance. But God sent his Son in the person of the world, representing the world, substituting for the world. And in that, we are going to see that in the final judgment, there is a lamb as though it had been slain on the throne of God, which means that the throne of God is a government of mercy. It is judgment, of course. There are judgments, but those judgments are not to annihilation and destruction, but they are judgments designed to bring redemption, designed to change the heart, not uh, convert the heart, because that is the the only uh, thing that convert the heart is the good news of Jesus Christ brought by the Spirit. But the judgments bring the world to a stunned state, to a desolate state, to a sense of coming to the end of themselves so that they call upon God for mercy. So you see, what we have here... And we need to get this right in our minds, that God is the defender of the world, defending us. That's why Paul says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's all the world being for all the world, because God has determined that he shall have mercy on all. That's 11 verse 32. And he's defending the world against the accuser, Satan. So let's not it get let's not get it the wrong way round. Satan would love that for us to get it the wrong way round, so that God is the accuser, and Satan, oh, he's just behind the scenes, not doing anything, an innocent little thing that he is. That's not the case. Now bring this to your mind. Who is doing the accusing of your mind? Now, I don't believe that Satan is able to whisper into our minds. He's not a divine being like the Holy Spirit uh, who can talk into our minds. But he can set up circumstances that make us think his thoughts after him. So when you get to those uh, depressed, gloomy states where you think there's 
everything going wrong and I just feel that God is against me all the time. Or I'm so guilty, I just don't think he would look upon such a sinner as myself. When you get those thoughts, whose thoughts are they really? They're Satan's. He is getting you to think his thoughts after you. After uh, He's getting you to think his thoughts um, after him. And so you, by faith, lift up your heart and say, Father, you hear these thoughts in my mind. Lord God, I reject them by faith because you have accounted me as righteous in Christ. You have accounted me as forgiven in Christ. You have taken all my sins and buried them in the depths of the deepest sea. I thank you, Father, that I am freed uh, from the judgment of sin and the law. And I praise you, dear God, that I'm brought into your presence, reconciled to you, so that Jesus brings me into your presence, representing me. And so, you see, you realize then who you're battling with. You're not battling with God. You, uh, don't try to think, I've got to convince God to love me. I've got to convince God to save me. God, God wanted to save you before you ever wanted to save yourself. That's the glory and beauty and the good news of the gospel. And remember what this verse says as well at the end of it. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? It is God who declares you innocent. The word justify is the uh, forensic, the legal term for declaring you innocent. How in the world could you be declared innocent? How in the world could I be declared innocent? Do you see, this is counterintuitive. We know we are sinners. We know we are guilty. How then can we be declared innocent? Only in the knowledge, or rather only in the fact, of Christ's sacrifice on behalf of the sins of all the world. That is the way we are declared innocent. So, Grab a hold of this verse. It's a very short verse. Let's do it again. Romans 8, verse 33. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? That's a rhetorical question, of course. And your answer should be, well, it's certainly not God. Well, then who is it? It's Satan. Satan is bringing a charge against God's elect, and Satan has zero authority in the kingdom of God. And therefore, I can lift up my heart to God and say, Father, I thank you that the thoughts in my mind they uh, that, are, that accuse me and condemn me and shame me, they are the thoughts of Satan. And I praise you that they have no power over me. I praise you that in him, in Christ, I'm declared innocent. In Christ, I'm counted as if I were righteous. What a truth this is. What a mental health this brings to the mind. Do you see... People don't know how to combat the thoughts of the mind. They just think those thoughts are true thoughts. Or they just think they're inevitable thoughts. They're not inevitable thoughts. Not when you know that your faith can counter them. Try to remember that. Your thoughts are not inevitable. They float in. They seem to have no origin. They seem to just dampen your spirit, just send a cloud over your mind. But that cloud can be lifted. Faith breaks through the clouds and breaks into the sunshine of God's love. That's how it works. 
So then we come to verse 34. Who is he who condemns? You see, all these thoughts about it is God who justifies, and uh, uh, it is God, and God does not bring a charge against us, and God does not condemn us. These, again, as, as I say, are all forensic terms, that is, law court terms. It's as if the judgment had already or uh, was already taking place. The cross of Christ, the death of Christ, is the great judgment scene before ever the judgment, final judgment, takes place. When we are reigned, arraigned before the judgment, in uh, as it's described in Romans 14, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, God is going to defend us in his Son, Jesus Christ, even though we uh, shall be arraigned before him. He will be our defense. That is why it says in Isaiah chapter 45, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall praise him and make an oath that in him alone is their righteousness and strength. Because that judgment scene will reveal that we have no righteousness of our own, but Christ is in on the throne as one slain, and we see there that he is the forgiver of our sins, and he in his resurrected form is our righteousness. Well, thanks for listening today. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. You know, this broadcast is uh, uh, listener-supported radio. That is, we I don't get a check from KLTT. I don't work for them. I rent air from them. It's odd-sounding, isn't it, to rent radio time, uh, radio air, but I do. And it costs uh, $200 for a, a week's broadcasts, 850 to $900 for a month. If you would like to make a donation, please do so. You can do online by, uh, donate, by going to faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. Thanks so much for all your support. See you next time. Cheerio and God bless. Yes.